Welcome to another edition of the Music City Drive-In. On today's episode, Jacob and I are going to dive into Parasite. Um, we're going to give our review on this film, and then we're going to kind of transition into the supporting actor category. Uh, if you have not heard any of the other pad podcasts, we've covered Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, um, Costume Design, Adapted Screenplay, and Original Screenplay. And as always, I am joined by my partner in crime, Jacob. How are you, bud? Good. How are you doing? I am pretty excited about this ap episode. God, I cannot talk today, but I'm excited about this episode because Supporting Actor, in my opinion, is the most loaded category of the award season, and it's probably my favorite category just because it is so loaded. Oh, it's yeah. Uh, um, I, well, I can't talk either. Supporting Actor, I think, is probably one of the most open. Um, I think when we get into it, I think there are people who are in the lead right now, but I still think anyone one through hell one through 10 could potentially be up in there. Um, I think this is a big race. I think this is going to be one of the kind of coolest ones to see when it does come down to uh, awards night. Yeah, because there's a lot of heavy hitters in this category, and I'll be honest with you, within the last 24 hours, I've already adjusted my rankings, and we'll talk about that in a little bit future, but I'll, I'll kind of give you the first, the five I had, and now the five I've, I've got in now, they've kind of changed since, you know, I talked, um, playing around with that. Speaking of which, go to visualprofits.com, visualprofitmovies.com, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, and check out all of Jacob's Oscar rankings. They're on, um, all his predictions are on his website, and then head over to thesportscript.com, and you can check out all my predictions as well. But folks, what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk about a little movie that nobody else in the world is talking about, and that's Parasite. Um, <laughs> um, what do you want? Go ahead. I mean, first off, it, it, the plot of it. I'll give everybody the plot, obviously, to start, but then, then I'll let Jacob uh, kind of kick off his thoughts about this. All employed, uh, Kitak's family takes peculiar interest in a wealthy and glamorous parks for their livelihood until they get entangled in an unexpected incident. Jacob, what were your thoughts? Let, let's go ahead and like, I want to kind of break it down where dissected by area. So the direction, the writing, uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Bong Joon-ho's uh, approach here in this film? Um, so one of the one of the biggest things that I liked about uh, Bong Joon-ho's uh, direction was that he always he always managed to keep you on your toes. Um, I mean, this is, and I said in my film or in my review, this is a one of a kind genre list film. Um, I really cannot, I can't pick one, two, three or four genres to fit this into because it fits into all of them. And it fits into all of them perfectly. I think when I was talking to someone after, I think I called it a political and social horror, tragic comedy. I mean, Ricky would probably tell you the same thing. Like it is, it really is a culmination of everything that you could think of. Um, and the biggest thing that I liked about Bong Joon-ho's direction is the little subtleties he went to, to give you that kind of eerie, unpleasant feeling. Um, these are things like for people who don't know in film, for directors, there's a 180 degree line that's between the characters and Bong Joon-ho broke that. And that's, I mean, that's a rule that if you break, it is agonizing and it's disorienting and it's, you know, it's for the audience. It's one of those things where for the audience, it's painful to see, but 
you don't know why it is. And this is something to where he would have a conversation and he used, he really only ever did this with the upper class family. Cause I mean, this is a film between upper and lower classes. He really only did this with the upper class family, but he would be over, you know, the right shoulder of Mrs. Park. And then he would be over the right shoulder of Mr. Park, uh, just in a back and forth conversation. And, you know, you're seeing it from the same angle. Um, and it's just that small subtlety that just disorients you, you know, he would have conversations between two people and he, we would be looking at them from their back. And, you know, the one thing we want to see when we see conversation is facial expressions and what's going on, like in someone's actual conversation. And he would do it from the back and he would, you know, agonize the audience. Um, and I think that's one of the, one of the biggest things that I really enjoyed was those subtle moments of just agony and despair and really like as an audience you don't recognize it but it keeps you on your toes throughout the entire film um you know i thought his his pacing was absolutely incredible uh you know the first the first little bit of it feels like a comedy heist film and then it feels like a suspense film then it feels like a horror film and it weaves it together so beautifully and so wonderfully that it is, you know, you never feel, um, you never feel like you're losing something. Um, it's not to where like the first, you know, hour of the film is fast paced and ready to go. And then he slows it down to kind of give you that sense. Like he keeps it throughout the film. He keeps it as a fast paced, you know, extravaganza. And, um, you know, and then back, and then as another thing, uh, he's ambiguous, but he also keeps it in your face as well. It's not like this isn't a film to where after it was done, I was. This isn't a film like us earlier this year, where after the after the film was done, I was instantly going on um, group chats and I was instantly googling and trying to find out, you know, what happened. You know what happened. And you can tell, like, why certain characters did their things. Um, you can tell why certain characters felt the way they, they felt. Um, his his allegory and his, uh, his similarities and differences between the upper and lower class are easy to see. Um, you know, just little things like for the upper class, there's a rainstorm. Um, and for the upper class they think it's beautiful and they're saying, you know, it's been so long since we have since we've had rain and it's something, you know, it's, it's beautiful to see. Uh, they even talk about how their son loves the rain, but for the lower class, this small rain could mean their house. It could mean their community gets flooded just because they live that low down. So it's, it's not like he, holds anything back he lets you have it and he lets it unravel over the course of the film and it's something that was beautifully done and it's something that i i'm not huge on a lot of bong joon ho's movies but it seems like if for most other directors i mean this is something that they just can't pull off um and this type of genreless style of film it seems very unique and very special to him um Especially the last thing I'm going to say is, and I wrote this in my review, is this film 
this film is going to create filmmakers. This film, when I left the film, it made me want to go make a movie. Um, this is what, you know, film and cinema is supposed to be. Uh, and this is a film that for people who are in film classes 20, 30 years from now, they're going to be watching Parasite and they're going to have, you know, whoever is going to say, you know, this is the movie that inspired me to make the kind of film I want to make. This is going to be the kind of film that leads on to people to recreate different kinds of films in the future. It was beautiful. Um, when it comes to action, I loved it. It was incredible. Yeah. To me, to kind of paraphrase my review. I mean, it was the perfectly crafted film. I felt like, I felt, I felt like Jun-Hoo was really conducting us like an orchestra. Like I felt like he was literally just sitting there waving his hands just like a, a you know a conductor does and he was moving these pieces slowly but surely and in certain parts you were like well what it, like you're kind of trying to peel off the layers and as you're peeling off the layers he's throwing another curveball your way and the way he was slowly methodically planning this entire event um to have this culmination at the end because it did have that culmination at the end and it, it was just a beautiful twist and turn and you're sitting at the edge of your seat because you're not a hundred percent sure what's going on in certain aspects of the film and then other parts of the film you're like okay i get where this is going and where you think it's going to go in that first act and where it actually goes is not anywhere where you think it, in your mind because you're right it does start off as this very heist like comedy film and it, it it's like oh my god look at this family like you know it's cool how they're putting all these pieces together and then it's like oh oh wow oh, okay and then it's like another twist and and it's like you know for me the little thing as as i will point out and this is a, a little bit of a spoiler i'm trying not to go too far in depth here but just the whole smell thing the mm -hmm. the way yes. it started the way he took a little piece of of a of a, of a movie and the sense of a man, the sense of a of the underclass, and he took that and he made it something is one of the most creative pieces of filmmaking you will like you will ever see. And Jacob's mm -hmm. a thousand percent right. Just just to corporate that, and it's exactly like it was exactly like Jacob said. It's the underclass versus you know the upper class really throughout this film, and it's a. Uh, it's 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 it, there's moments of laughter there's there's a moments of 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 just downright terror there's moments of shock there's a moments of a little bit of everything like and you're right it's like it's genreless because you're like at one moment it's a comedy then the next minute it's a thriller next minute maybe it's a horror maybe it's the and it's like what what am i supposed to feel what am i supposed to and my big thing is 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 i'm a you know i'm a big family guy you know what i mean so I, I like family and, and I really love the culmination of how it's, it told its story. And to be honest with you, I really loved Kim, the, the Kim family, you know what I mean? The, and Kim Kai Tak, he, Song Gang Ho was absolutely brilliant in this film. And, and the way he was this father and, and he didn't play just, he, he was, there was a crazy family. Like, it was not the perfect family. It was not a great family. But you know what? They stuck together. 
And they stuck together throughout this entire film. And the way that he just, you know, the way the family came together, no matter what happened, was also magnificent. Because a lot of chain of events happen in this film that you're like, you're going crazy. And then each character in this film was phenomenal. I, it, 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 it blew me away. But it just, you took this tame, grumpy old man and he turned into this vicious, cold-hearted man that you weren't exactly sure that he had it in him. And the way it mm-hmm. happened was just like, wow, like this is, this is amazing. And and I I don't, I've never, and I've, I've, I've seen film for a long time and I'm not being prisoner of the moment. I saw this film, I think we're going on almost two weeks now, two weeks ago now. And this film has still, it sits with me. Like I literally, so obviously we're talking, it's, it's a foreign film. So everything's subtitled. And, and I've spoken to you, Jacob, in the past. Like I, foreign films, it's hard for me. Like I have to be engulfed in the film. I have to, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't even know if I really breathed a whole lot during this whole film. Like I'm just edge of my seat. I didn't even reach for the popcorn. I didn't reach for my drink. I just sat there with my eyes glued on the screen ready and anxious for the next step of the film and it was absolutely marvelous and the cinematography was beautiful the the acting beautiful obviously the 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 way the 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 editing i thought the editing was fantastic oh yes the editing was so well and i'll tell you what there's one thing that you said that that really pinpointed a lot for me and i love the way they shot that you had those little conversations happening and and you, you weren't exactly sure what was going on? One one scene in particular, it's it's a gift that's going around to everybody. It's when the little kid bows to the to the daughter at the table, right? You don't you don't hear a single word that's said really in that particular scene, and it's okay because it, it's telling the story of her getting this you know psychological advantage over this kid, and and the way it happens and the way the way that scene comes together, it, it was just shot so beautifully, like. I would be literally floored if we don't see John Jun Ho get uh, the nomination for for uh, for best director for original screenplay. Like, I mean, I think it's a slam dunk for picture, director, screenplay, foreign film, and editing, and maybe even production design. Because once I heard, and I, I we talked about this, like once I heard that they literally built this entire house, like that's magnificent. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like that is not easy to do, and. And Jay, what are your thoughts on the the Oscar prediction wise? Where do you think it, it's going to land? And then obviously we can give our score and then we'll transition into the best supporting actor. Um so for me, uh I think definitely picture, um, director, um picture, director, uh screenplay, production design, maybe. Um uh, I think it would be very well well deserved uh foreign film of course um you know editing there was i mean there were some edits that just like there was one that was beautiful of the water just washing over everything and then transitioning right into the next shot um i mean it was that's that's where i think that's where i see right now um i think the biggest thing with this film is it has been it was released early early in the year uh for some people and it has stayed in the conversation and it's not just stayed in the conversation it stayed at the top of the conversation for time and time to come um i i we didn't talk about this earlier but 
I mean, it's hard to really talk about this movie without doing spoilers. And I know Ricky and I both posted a non-spoiler review of it on each of our respective websites. So, I mean, if it's okay with you, we could try to get into spoilers just for a minute. Because, I mean, there's a lot to talk about when it comes with this movie. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I mean, basically what I'll do right now is, folks, I'll I'll cut it off right here. I'll leave a little stamp and then you where you can kind of transition back into um, transition into the best supporting uh, actor conversation. Yeah, if you want to dive into a little bit of the spoilers, that's fine. Let's go ahead and do it. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording and hosting. And distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. And ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. And that means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. So if if you've always wanted to start a podcast making money to do it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I cannot wait to hear your podcast. All right. All right, folks, like we said, we are going to dive into some spoilers here on Parasite. Um, so if you have not seen the film, go ahead and fast forward to the mark in the timestamp of the below of the podcast where you can kind of dive right into the best supporting actor. Um, and like I said, we're going to hit into spoilers in three, two, one. Go ahead and kick us off, Jacob. OK, so I mean, this is this is your last warning. Uh, go in as clean as you can for this movie. But it's hard to talk about this movie without doing spoilers. Um, you know, and that's, it's hard to get into a lot of the, um, a lot of the symbolism that Bong Joon-ho has and a lot of the political symbolism that he has in this film. Um, you know, and there's a lot of foreshadowing. My favorite thing is, you know, you, you see how poor the Kim family is. I mean, at the very beginning of the film, they use the fumigation. They leave their windows open, fill their house with, um, with you know fumigation, so that they can kill the, literally these stink bugs that are in their house. I mean, just the whole idea of smell and kind of the bad, gross, like down low smell. I mean, that's that's something that was huge throughout this entire film. Um, and you know, that's where you talked about it, where you saw that that transition for Mr. Kim, you could kind of see that start happening in the beginning because when that, um, when that fumigation came through, he started, he didn't, he wasn't coughing or anything. He was making the boxes and you could tell how kind of determined he was to provide for his family. And, um, you could tell like he did have a sort of just like a sort of like not ego, but he had sort of like confidence in himself that when this, uh, when Mr. Park started, you know, when he heard him talk about him, um, when Mr. Kim and the rest of the family was hiding under the table and he heard him talk about him and he heard about talking about how bad he smelled, um, just those little things, you know, you can tell, you can really tell like where he's coming from and really get his, um idea and then all the way up to when he kills him like him him killing mr park was not something that was out of the blue and it's not something like you could you could see it coming but at the same time like it was kind of something that you didn't see coming but you can 
I mean, it's not something that like he didn't kill Mr. Park and you're like, oh, why'd he do that? You know, because Mr. Park's a good guy. Mrs. Park's a good guy. The whole Park family are good people. It's just the whole dynamic between upper and lower class that clashed throughout the whole film. And there was literally, I mean, literally, they had a lower class family living in a basically a dungeon below them the whole time. And it's just that whole instance of living above and below people. Um, going back to what I said in the non-spoiler review, the whole thing about the rain. And, you know, to them, rain, to the to the parks, rain is beautiful and rain is something that they long for. And it's something that helps, you know, flourish their garden and their backyard. But to um, the Kim family, it's literally crap. I mean, and you see uh, whenever it does rain and their house gets flooded, it's sewer water that floods their house. It's crap. It's piss and it's crap. And it's stuff that earlier in the movie, it kind of foreshadowed to it, but you see their, how their little apartment being peed on, being uh, pooped on, you know, being like being treated as a toilet. And then it ends up becoming one at the end. And, the whole dynamic. I mean, I just loved how much he really put into this film. Yeah, like for that's that's exactly that's the exact thing that that I could really correlate to everything that you mentioned is the attention to detail in this film was truly magnificent. Um, so everywhere from where it started to saying where the family comes together uh, slowly but surely, it was so it was so creative and so funny how. They literally got into the park residence. You know what I mean? How it started yeah. was just hilarious. And then watching it step by step, and it was never the same person that would recommend the next person. You know what I mean? It was always one step to the next step to the next step. And it like, well, you're right. At first, it's like you're you're thinking this is like a comedic heist. And at first, you're kind of like, okay, well, like, I mean, even for me, and I'll be honest with, for me, it was like, oh, well, I kind of seen this style of movie before and then it and then something happens you know what i mean like the entire incident when they're there and they go off to the camping and when the the first maid comes back and when they realize that there's somebody in the locked in that basement that entire scene is 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 perfection like the the just the way that all planned out the way that all like just the little nooks and crannies about that that scene, and and the way that um, and I will say <laughs> this is this is this is weird, but okay. So everything that led into that, and then like knocking them out, and then tying them up, and then you know all these things, you know they have them all ready to go, and then all three of them are laying underneath this table, and you know the the kid is just out camping in the middle of the yard, and you know and you know in the middle of the night, and then the the park. You know, the the parks literally just sit there and have the weirdest version of sex that I think I've ever seen on screen. And yes. that, <laughs> it was just, I mean, to each its own, whatever they're into, whatever. But it was just, it was a very interesting um, portrayal of what they were into sexually there. But then and it, it's, I think that also, I think that also helps showcase their, um, their, uh, their class right because you see throughout the film he talks about like he talks to mr park and mr park's like uh you know she's my wife like i guess i love her and i think like 
that love to them might just be, you know, a feel. Yeah. It's not actually. Like yeah, it's the co- it's the opposite of the you know the the Kytox family. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's the complete opposite of what they have and the foundation the, of what the they're. Most, to be the most PG, all they do is Mrs. Park <laughs> touches Mr. Park and Mr. Park rubs and touches Mrs. Park. Yeah, and it, that, that's the easiest way to put it. But there's no like there's no full intercourse. Like there's nothing like there's no kissing. There's no love in it. It's just laying there yeah and it's kind of it's kind of lifeless and it it that going on with the whole thing of you know what their what their love really is i mean that just shows like you know maybe they don't have time for something like that because of the position yeah because he is this high up individual and he's this you know mr park is very high up he's very you know this is a very rich family i mean you could just tell by this house and and I don't, I don't know the way the chips fall together you know the come together the way the the way that the the mr park's son disong really put the pieces together himself that kid was a very smart kid yes and he was slowly but surely putting the pieces together what was going on and the culmination of the party was just this one big just like whoa like i mean the way you know of course first off i'm not gonna lie like i legitimately thought Ki-Woo was dead, you know what I mean? Like, I thought he yeah, was dead. Like, too. when he hit him in the yeah. back of the head, I was like, oh, like, he, he's a goner, you know what I mean? And and, and I was I was more than okay with the, the the equivalent of what happened after that, you know, with mm-hmm. the, the you know him getting hit in the head and the probation and stuff like that. And I really felt like, I, w- I will say this, okay, I was very happy that it didn't end so happy and, and, and gloomy, you know what I mean? Yes. Because in a way, you looked at it and then you saw him like write this down, like you know, I'm gonna, you know, one day I'm going to buy this house, and when I buy it was, this, it was crazy because this is a family like, if we read this in the paper, we don't like this family, but we know like what their reasoning is, and we know everything behind it, and that's yeah. why like, that's why I agree with you. It's like it doesn't have that full like bad ambiguous ending but it's like it kind of like leads into maybe a happy ending and it's like us knowing that family is something that like most other movies i would have been i would have said it would have been a cop-out for um for kai Wu to not have died when he got a rock thrown on his head twice i would have said you know it's it's a cop-out he should have he should have died you know whatever um but for this kind of what they did it kind of gave that like it it ended with really a good message and was like you know you don't have to you don't have to weasel your way to getting money and you don't have to weasel your way into getting what you want if you work hard enough for it you can achieve the things that you're wanting to achieve and so that's what that's why i didn't it didn't feel like a cop out of anything it felt earned and that's that's the biggest thing with this whole movie is everything felt earned throughout you know nothing felt out of place nothing felt wrong it felt like this was earned by what happened before and that's what i re- it was very poetic in that sense yeah it's very much so it was it was and i and i and i and i i come back to this a thousand times every time i think about paris i think about a a conductor uh you know conducting an orchestra and I felt like it was the perfect ending. It was the perfect touch. It was, 
you know, when I think about this film, I, I, I literally, you know, you and I have talked about making our best movies of the decade. And, and there's not a doubt in my mind when we put that list together, no matter 10, 15, 20 movies. I mean, I, I personally feel like it'll probably be in my top 10. This movie, uh, it's, it's right now, right now it's in my top three. It, just for just for like first just, yeah exactly and that's the thing like this is this was one of the best movies i have ever seen inside a theater and to me it blows my mind to say that considering my reservation when it comes to certain like just to foreign films as a collective whole i have never been so engulfed and thrilled in a movie and completely just blown away by the way that he was able to open and shut the door every which way possible. And he, like, like I said, he just made every little thing matter throughout the entire film. And, and obviously with us saying that folks, I mean, we're going to go ahead and we're going to give our rating of the movie. Obviously you can check out a non-spoiler version of our reviews and, and, and the ratings there, but I gave it five out of five. I, I, Honestly, right now, I said that I'm going to be careful with saying it's the best movie of the year. But right now, without seeing anything else before the end of the year, it is slotted in my number one spot. I didn't think that I was going to be able to put anything ahead of Marriage Story or maybe even Joker. And I, I, this is a comfortable one in my top rankings of the year. What about um, you, Jacob? For me, I'm going to say I'm not going to give you my rating i'm gonna tell you that it is my number one and that should let you know what what the rating is i mean it's five out of five it's there's there's no way around it um you know it would be a five out of five it would be a 10 out of 10 it'd be a hundred out of a hundred yeah any <laughs> any way you swing it it's it's you know it's there it it's one of the it's one of the best all-around movies that I have seen, you know, in it's my a, life. It's, um, it it I mean, is. It's it, that's, with... it, it is. Like, I mean, I'm dead serious. If I put a movie, if I put a movie list of all time greatest movies, I don't think I could not put this in at least my top 10, maybe even my top five. Like, I, I, I'm not just spitballing it, folks. I've literally had two weeks to sit and marinate on this film and think about this film and really dive into this film and then i literally sat and waited until jacob saw the movie so that he we could dissect the movie together because nothing there's nothing i like more than watching a five-star film or watching a perfect film and then talking about it with somebody who reiterates to you that yes this you are right about your feelings like you are like what you saw was what i saw like that was the biggest thing whenever you went and saw that film i was kind of terrified because I was like, all right, if he doesn't like this film, I need to find somebody I could talk to about Parasite because this movie just engulfed, like, it just consumed me. And I've thought about this film almost every single day since I saw the film because the film is just so beautiful. It's so unique and it's so perfect. And it's just everything that I need. Like, I just, I don't know. It is film. And you're right. It's inspiring because it's no, like, yeah. it's, you know, it sounds cheesy. It sounds cliche, but like just talking about it just gives me these goosebumps because it's just this, I love film so much and it inspires you just to be so much more and, and life is so much more. And it's like, you know what, you know, I can do this or anybody can do this or this is going to transform film for the rest of our lives. And it's exciting to understand that because 
we we live in a in, live in a world where it's genre specific when it comes to movies and to have this open book of all these genres wrapped up in one that you cannot officially say it's one way or another you just have this perfect film that you're okay with it being perfect and it doesn't have to be just one thing it doesn't have to be just funny it doesn't just have to be a horror it doesn't just have to be a thriller it doesn't have to be you know a heist movie it can be all of those things in one and still be a perfect film period no yeah i i agree with everything he said um i mean this film you know it's it's to me this i came out of this with the same feeling that i came out of the theater after i saw into the spider-verse where i felt like i saw a truly just perfect film and where when i say like perfect i know i said earlier um marriage story was the closest thing to a perfect film that i thought it could have been even with that you know i still think it i still think it's my number two and I still think that it is a phenomenal film. But with that one, there were small things that I had here or there that I could get over. With this film, there's absolutely nothing that I feel like if I, you know, if I said this was a flaw, I would be disputed right away. And the thing is, I wanted, for some reason, I wanted to be edgy, whatever. I didn't want to like this. I knew what everyone was saying and i knew uh how it was being received and i went into this thinking okay this is going to be a four-star movie and then it started off and i was like okay this is i was like maybe four and a half and then i was like nope there's just there's just no way around it um it, like it just it had to be i mean i was weary about it when everyone was giving their you know best of the year and i was i had to see it for myself and i i saw it and i'm telling you guys like this is a must see cinematic experience. I agree hundred percent. And folks, now we're gonna transition into why some of you might have come here, and that's for the supporting actor um conversation. Alright, folks, we're gonna dive into the best supporting actor, um, obviously for the upcoming Oscars. So I will go ahead and say that shockingly, this is the first I think this is the first category that Jacob and I have the same exact five. Now it, it might actually be. Um, I will say that this same exact five has only happened within the like the last twenty four hours. So over on the sports group, I updated my rankings, and I literally locked out three of the guys that I had in my race as of I don't know maybe five hours ago. So my three guys that I eliminated already, and I'll just go ahead and that's fine. I, I eliminated Joe Pesci, and I'll, we'll explain a little bit later why I did that. Anthony Hopkins I took out for Two of Popes, and then Sterling K. Brown I took out as well. So, we're going to go ahead and give you a couple quick hits of the ones we agree upon that are the no-brainers that I think are surefire, no-joke, locked, and I think we both agree upon. And the first one we're going to talk about is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and that's Brad Pitt. Um, I'll kind of kick it off. First off, everybody knows my love for this film goes... I'll tell you what, the second viewing of this film, I, I was on the cusp of giving it five stars. But this the same time frame I saw this the second time was the same time frame I decided I was going to stop giving everything, you know, the my <laughs> initial five-star ranking. So I did go up from a four to four and a half. But the everybody knows how much I love Leo, and this does pay me to say this. Brad Pitt was the MVP of this film, period. Yeah. End of story. 
I, Brad, this was Brad Pitt's best role of his career. Um, it, he was fantastic in this role. He was made for this role. Quentin Tarantino knocked it out of the ballpark writing this character. And I love Brad Pitt. And I, I, I really don't, to me, honestly, as it sits, as of today, if I was betting any money in Vegas, I would go all in on Brad Pitt. Um, Jacob, I know you have some similar thoughts about Brad Pitt. We're going to kind of cruise through these first couple guys real quick. Um, so yeah, so Brad Pitt was, he was the guy from the movie. Um, you know, he, it's so weird thinking back on once upon a time because there's not that much dialogue, but it's all kind of what they do. And he does, he does the most, um, you know, I think I think this is his award right now. I think he is a number one. Um, I think he's got some people chasing after him right now. But I personally believe of every single award that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has the best chance of getting a win in the supporting actor category. Um, I think Brad Pitt is, I, like you said, if I was a betting man, I'm putting – most of my money on Pitt, and I'm putting a little bit on one of the other actors I will, I'll talk about. But he was phenomenal. He took over that role. People, you know, people dressed up for Halloween as Cliff Booth. Um, I mean, he he really transcended it to where Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is not, as of right now, which it's November 6th that we're doing this podcast, He Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is not campaigning, like, at all. And he's stayed in the limelight for the entire time. Hold and on, so I hold think on. That... Let me stop you real quick, Jacob. We've already decided that I was the one that's campaigning for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Tarantino okay. and I have talked, and I am doing the campaigning for him. I, re- I wrote another review just for the movie, just because I'm the I'm going to do the campaigning, because I, there's nobody else doing it right now. Yeah, You're right. I mean, there's, there's people, people are talking about it, but the only person they're talking about is Brad Pitt and the production design. I mean... I don't know. I don't know where they're at. I just, I, it, right. Every, I you've got so screeners of so many movies right now. Like come sit down with the cast and crew. And I will yeah. say this though. There was a picture that surfaced of Leo. Um, I, and I am blanking on the person that he was with that, that, that girl. Oh my God. I'm so embarrassed right now. Um, there we go. Uh, um, 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 let's see. Her name is, um, Greta Thunberg, that girl, the, the, uh, Oh yeah. yeah. The activist girl, the activist, uh, the activist girl that is helping with the whole uh, climate change thing. He, uh, he posted pictures with her on Instagram. It blew up relatively big. I'm not exactly, that's not exactly campaigning in one way because yeah, the whole thing with that is that's, that's, that's Leonardo something DiCaprio. Leo does. Yes. That is just, that's just that's Leo. Who Leo. That's is. not so something he's doing. That's the, the thing. Like that's where, and that's where I don't think we will ever see like a Leo, because Leo never really, he didn't campaign really for the Revenant, but at the same time, the Revenant came out in December. So it wasn't really campaigning. It was just the movie came out in December. So he was out in the limelight. Like this movie yeah. came out in July and there's no like I mean we're friends you know on Twitter with a lot of people that uh, attend a lot of these events and out in California and there's been events for everything and you know you've got events for like us you've got friends you know us speaking of us a movie that came out earlier in the year another in one February, that we talked about February. Rocket Man you know what I mean that's they're campaigning the hell out of that film you know what I mean you see Shia LaBeouf on TV every five seconds you have people out there campaigning. It's just not these guys. And I feel like some of them are just kind of like, oh, we're not going to campaign because, you know, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. It's Brad Pitt. It's Quentin Tarantino. Like, 
You know, even I, you even see Scorsese you know, doing a lot more interviews these last couple weeks. I understand the Irishman's about to come out, but you've seen a whole like Scorsese penned an article, and yes, it was about the whole Marvel thing, but Scorsese wrote an article. You know what I mean? Like he's in the forefront of people's minds. Exactly. Like, and these guys are not, and it's and interesting to see their approach to the award season. Sorry, it makes me it makes me wonder if like they're waiting for a last second push. But that could come to bite him in the butt too, just because. I mean, it, it's get, it's getting to the nitty gritty. It's well, the thing about it time. is, the thing about it is, I will say this though. At the same time, so obviously, looking at the list, this is the shoe in for the Globes. So I think maybe does is that is that when it happens? Is that when the campaign starts yeah. after the it Globe nominations? Be, it could be just right after, because the Globe nominations are going to come out and they're going to get everything because they went comedy and it was a brilliant move. So, you know, you got Pitt, you got DiCaprio, you got Tarantino, probably the, the director is kind of iffy, but you're looking at best uh, best movie in a musical slash comedy. It's, it's a lock for all of those things. So mm-hmm. maybe that's when we see the campaign start. Um, because, I mean, obviously we have between the 9th and we have January 2nd where the voting actually begins. And then obviously the voting closing the 7th with the Globes actually being announced on the 5th. So there's a lot that happens in between then. So maybe he, they wait to see once the New York Film Critic Association, uh, kill, they announce their awards and the, or the, uh, their nominations the 4th. And then you've got the Globes announcing on the 9th. So maybe after the 9th, that's when we see start they, they start you know sweeping out the campaigns. But it's very interesting to see their approach for this award season because, I mean, I'll be honest with you, like, you know, transitioning into like Tom Hanks, like... I swear to you, like a beautiful day in the neighborhood, like this movie's just died, and I know but it's to about say to the come thing out. Is beautiful day in the neighborhood? It's still coming out. Come out, right? Until it, yes, it, we've got three weeks away from beautiful day. It drops the twenty second. I'm really looking forward to this film. There's a lot of good things about it, but I will say, coming out of award season with uh, movies that like what the Irishman has been nonstop talked about since it was in, you know, at the at the uh, uh, film festival circuit. Um, even a film like Honey Boy was talked is being talked about a lot since the award circuit. Um, there's a lot of different movies that have come out right around that film. Like there's a couple movies that have been kind of awfully quiet. Like like Little Woman has gone really quiet. Like um, Bombshell went really quiet. You know what I mean? Like there's a and lot. And then of- there's films. And then there's films like uh, Rocket Man. Who yes. Have so been loud. Loud. So loud, you know what I mean. So it's interesting to see, like even the even the limelight, like around Renee Zellweger and Judy, has really died down a lot. Like I'm starting to see people drop her from like a shoe in locket one to like you know borderline three, four, five, and it's like I don't think it has anything to do with the performance. I think it has a lot to do with that movie's just apparently not very good. I think that's part of the problem. But like it's interesting to see. I think that obviously the America's going to see a beautiful day in the neighborhood very, very soon, and obviously tom hanks mr rogers like what you know that kind of goes hand in hand but so so hanks is your uh, hanks is your two right uh, yeah we're not talking about rankings yet but yes oh, he is okay but sorry yes, sorry sorry spoiler I, alert spoiler alert. yes he is <laughs> okay so but um so yeah so i agree uh but tom hanks to me and what okay, if it, gotta say what it. if a beautiful I've day in the say. neighborhood isn't good like not not that it's not good but what if it's just okay no it a beautiful day in the neighborhood will be four and a half to. F- there's no way. There's no way around it. 
the first reviews came out and they loved it. So for sure. But what if it's not? What see, if it's just an okay film? Is there a world where Tom Hanks doesn't get nominated, Jacob? Oh, there's definitely a world where Tom Hanks doesn't get nominated. Um, let me let me take you back to Sully. Great performance, even though the movie wasn't great. Not nominated. Let me take you back to uh, The Post, where the movie got two nominations and it was supporting actor or supporting or lead actress and best picture. Um, let me take you back to a little movie called Captain oh, Phillips. That's Tom Hanks' best movie. Where he gave his best performance of his entire life. That whole final scene where he is um, in like the boat hospital, that could have been his whole Oscar clip. Not nominated. Tom Hanks has not been nominated since Castaway in 2001. I mean, there is definitely a world where Tom Hanks gets snubbed. Do I think it will happen? No. I think A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is going to be too big. Um, I think A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood has the release date that helped um, a little film called Green Book last year with that release date right around Thanksgiving. The families are going to be out. The families are going to see it. They're going to love it. Um, you know, all the all the boomers and the olds are going to love it. Uh, just because that's what they grew up on. All the kids like me who grew up on the later um, Mr. Rogers times, we're going to love it. Um, you know, we're just going to love what it is more than probably how good it is. And I think that he gets in, but I don't think, as of right now, I don't think he's pushing, uh, I, I don't think he's fighting against Brad Pitt right now. I think Tom Hanks' biggest fight is going to be against the academy because the academy seems to have some sort of vendetta against him to not get him nominated i think it's him and jake gyllenhaal who they really just <laughs> do not want to nominate yeah don't even get me started on jake gyllenhaal i'm still upset that he has been not you know he's his nominations have not just reeled in because that is one of the i, I dead i'm dead serious when i, I consistently consistently say that Jake Gyllenhaal is the most underrated actor in Hollywood. Period. I mean, he's got it one. Is, it's so funny because he's get he gets in Marvel movies and he gets in he does whatever he wants, but yep. he still is. I don't think he's underrated. I think he's underappreciated. There it is. I can see that too because I mean he's literally has one Oscar nomination and that was for Brokeback Mountain. He didn't get Which an was Oscar. Great. Fantastic. Fantastic, fantastic! He, gave, he it. gave his best. He gave his best performance two years ago in Stronger. When no, um, <laughs> he was fantastic in Stronger, but he was better in Nocturnal Animals. Man, I know you haven't seen uh, that I, film. I, I haven't seen it. But Nocturnal Animals it. is it, it's. I, and we talked a bit a little bit earlier about Parasite, but Nocturnal Animals is one of the best films of the last decade. Like it, it is, it is a fantastic film, and he was so so good in it, and. And, but like I mean, you're right though. Stronger, he was fantastic. I love that. I I think that was slept on massively. I mean, he yes. got a Globe nomination for Love and Other Drugs. I mean, you know, Nightcrawler was fantastic. I, I, the list goes on and on, and I, I I can't get on a tangent about um, Jake Gyllenhaal enough here. But um, Pacino, the Irishman, good good transition. Um, what Ricky and I got to see this film. Uh, last Friday in a um, in a screener, uh, our reviews will be out soon. Just a yeah. heads up. But um, Pacino, out of the film, I will say 
Pacino has the best chance, and I think Pacino might have the only chance. Um, you know, Joe Pesci was high on everyone's list. For me, I didn't see it, and I'm not crazy because I don't think Ricky saw it either. Um, the Irishman, it was good, but Pacino was great. I mean, every scene that Pacino was in, he stole. The first scene we see him in, when we see him as Jimmy Hoffa take the stage, he stole the film. This was, this change from being a movie about uh, Robert De Niro's Frank to a Jimmy Hoffa movie. I mean, this is what, this is what people are going to go to the Irishman to see. And it's so, it's, it's so insane because we don't know what happened to Jimmy Hoffa, but Martin Scorsese came along and gives us what he thinks happened. And that's going to draw people in so much just from what one person thinks. And, you know, Pacino absolutely destroyed every single scene he was in. Um, you know, there's, there's one, and we'll get into the more of this when we do our review, but there's one scene that I loved that he, he came to a meeting and he was all dressed up in a suit, and the guy he came <laughs> with was uh, was in shorts and a t-shirt. He, he was forty minutes late, and Pacino sat there, and he would deny, 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 giving him any sort of explanation to why he was mad. And then he was, it was, it was oh. funny. It was, it was incredible. Also, he gives the most emotional performance in the movie. Um, you know, you really Jimmy Hoffa. I mean, it's the it's it's a mob movie. It's a gang movie. Uh, you can't really trust anyone. Yeah. But uh, it, loosely, it's loosely a mob movie. But you can't really trust anyone in the movie. We can both agree on that. Yeah. Um, I think Pacino's Jimmy Hoffa was really the only one you could trust, and you know that's saying much, could, right? That's saying something, right? <laughs> yeah. And you could really see that, like throughout the film, and that's. I think Pacino I think Pacino does get in. Um do I think he wins? No. But I think he gets in and I think for him it would be deserving. For anyone else in the film, maybe not so much. But definitely for Pacino, I mean he stole the stage. But I'm gonna kick it back to you. What do you um, yeah, so we are on 1000% agreement. Like I said earlier in the episode was Joe Pesci was in mind because it was the talk of the town. I hadn't seen the film, the film for myself yet. So the, the kind of talk of the town was, you know, how great Pesci was. And don't get me wrong. Pesci was good. He was good. And I, I wouldn't he even, wasn't a standout, but Al Pacino was the MVP. The, the same way I say Brad Pitt was the MVP of once upon a time in Hollywood. Al, Al Pacino was the MVP of the Irishman. Al Pacino should also be the only actor nominated for anything in The Irishman. And we will talk more about The Irishman. We're going to release a, 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 not only our reviews the, in, the, in the coming week, but we're also going to do a podcast about this movie in particular as well um, next week. And when we do, we'll kind of dissect the movie a little bit more. But for me personally, Pacino was everything you said. There was several scenes where um, you... The way Scorsese was able to make Hoffa this larger-than-life character, but also made him a very sincere, real man. You know what I mean? He made him a real man. And he, he did have some very emotional scenes. He was very funny. He was very over-the-top. He was very 
uh, loud, but at times you, you kind of saw a raw sense of um, him, you know, losing losing the gris, grasp on reality and losing the grasp on he wasn't he was it wasn't just because he was walking in the room and he's Jimmy Hoffa anymore. It was like he walked in the room and it was like, oh, that's you know Jimmy Hoffa type of thing. Like he lost his, you know, he lost his pizzazz. His, you know, his lost his edge. His edge, yeah, yeah, you know, and he lost his edge and it was just he was just kind of just a regular Joe by the end of the film. And it was just like, you kind of felt empathy towards him. And it was kind of just heartbreaking to watch his, you know, just his rise. And then you watched him fall. And, it, and, and Pacino was amazing in this film. And I'll be honest with you, like uh, thinking about it, I think I'm going to put Pacino in my number two and a little bit spoiler for one at the end, but I think Pacino, to be honest with you, I, you know, look, I, I think Brad Pitt's a runaway number one, and I think Brad Pitt should win because he's give, he gave the best performance in the supporting role, and that's debatable because some days I feel like Brad Pitt was actually a lead in the movie too, but Pacino was great, and and I think it's a perfect transition for this guy that we're going to talk about right now, and and that's William Defoe in the Lighthouse. Um, Jacob is going to say a lot more nicer things about him because I'm going to let him because this was his movie. It wasn't my movie. It wasn't my cup of tea. Um, we, we did talk about it. Check, check the, uh, episode we did. I think it was, uh, last week or the week before we did a lighthouse episode dedicated just to that movie, but I'll reiterate what I said during that episode. Um, my favorite part of the entire movie was William Defoe, and William Defoe was fantastic in that film. He was brilliant and he is more than deserving to be on this list with everybody else. After seeing the film myself, I really feel like I, I don't feel like he is is a locked in like some of I, I don't think he's locked in like a Pitt and Pacino are right now and even maybe Hanks but even Hanks I'm not even a hundred percent sure on anymore. But I feel personally personally this is my feeling. If Defoe doesn't get nominated, that to me will be a snub. Period. That that's just how I feel. There's not a lot of supporting roles that I haven't seen, but. The only performances that I liked better in a supporting role this year were Pitt and Defoe's that I have seen. Now, Shia LaBeouf, I haven't seen Honey Boy yet, so and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But Defoe, you've got a theory, and I'm ready to hear it, Jacob. Um, yeah, so I, I hinted at it a little earlier, but Defoe, to me, is the closest thing uh, to competition that brad pitt's got and i think i think brad pitt's i agree brad pitt is lot is for right now he is the one but i do think anyone on my list could potentially get up there as well um but i think the guy right behind brad pitt to me is willem dafoe um i mean his performance in the lighthouse it you know the lighthouse may not be everyone's cup of tea but his performance is raw and it's uncanny and it's you know, it's out of the box and it's wild and it's something crazy for, I'm not going to make you do math again, but it's something crazy for, you know, a 60 plus year old, uh, year old person to do. And added in with the fact, if they nominate Defoe again, this would be his, this would actually be his third nomination in three straight years without winning. Uh, he was nominated, uh, Two years ago for uh, that movie that was Florida Project, and he was nominated last year for uh, his Vincent Van Gogh movie. And so um, I think he's a – I'm looking it up right now. He's a four-time nominee. He has not 
won it yet. Uh, he was nominated in 2019 for At Eternity's Gate. He was nominated in 2018 for The Florida Project. He was nominated in 2001 for Shadow of the Vampire, and he was nominated in 1987 for Platoon. And so if he gets nominated again three years in a row without getting a win, I mean, that's uh, – it's that narrative is just building so, so much just to kind of be like – you know, this kind of the same thing with Leo just much later in his career. Like, let's, you know, let's get him the win so that he continues to do roles like this. Because I could, I don't see how Jake Gyllenhaal continues to do indies or whatever. But, you know, there's got to be a breaking point where Willem Dafoe's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to stop trying to get an Oscar <laughs> nomination. I'm just going to act to act and live out the rest of my years um, doing what I like to do. And, um, I, I want to see Defoe keep doing projects like this where he's really out of the box and really just crazy and wild and doing something that's, you know, unlike anything he's ever done before. Um, and I think that narrative is building for him. You know, this is the guy who's been, who's acted in over a hundred movies um, over his very long career. Uh, he's in just this year alone. I mean, he's been in four or five movies and, um, and I think, you know, The Lighthouse, I think he gives such a raw and phenomenal performance. I think the biggest thing is, is the monologues. There are so many scenes where it's just Willem Dafoe in front of the camera and he gives a four to five minute, you know, powerful just monologue about nothing, but it makes you care about it. You know, he gives a monologue about why about how you know someone's or about how uh, Robert Pattinson's going to be struck down because Robert Pattinson didn't like his lobster. You know, I mean it's it's crazy stuff but it stuff that makes you really like care at the same time. And so I think right now he is the closest thing that Pitt has to I mean he's got competition everywhere but I think he's the closest like right behind. Um and I think uh, Willem Dafoe really does have a good shot. The only issue is, you know, what is the Academy going to think of the lighthouse? Oh, they're going to hate it. Um, I think, I think the Academy might hate it. Actors might not. It's, it's so, yeah. it's so hard. And, yeah. um, that you know, felt, so, it was just, it was look, the, the, I, I've said this once and I say this a thousand times about this movie. Like I said, this movie was not for me, and and that's okay. I, I'm not mad about it. I, I you know what I mean. Like I'm not. It, it, I didn't. I didn't like this film as much as you did, and there's gonna be films like that, and that's okay. And you know, the, but I could appreciate the authentic performance that Defoe gave in this film. And I, like I said, I, I I I am on board with saying this, that if he does not get nominated, I would feel like that's a snub. Like it, it would. It would feel like a snub to me. And obviously this is kind of the perfect transition for you to go on a nice little... First off, I will say this. I wanted to do this on the air, but we sometimes have to kind of like dissect how we're going to dive into each one of these segments. So when I said off the air that my number five on my supporting actor list was Shia LaBeouf for Honey Boy, Jacob let out a very loud... Um, 
you know, sound that I felt the waves about an hour and a half away from him. But um, look, I, I can't deny it. Look, I personally, personally, on a personal level, can respect what Shy has overcome. Um, it, it, it's a an amazing redemption story. We all love the amazing redemption story. But on the flip side of that, there is not one single person, single person, I will say, because nobody is campaigning louder in the whole entire world than Rocket Man. But there isn't a single person campaigning harder than Shia LaBeouf. And I don't think there's a single person that should not be campaigning more than Shia LaBeouf. Because this man, not only... Look, I haven't seen this film. I haven't, and I, and I won't pretend that I know anything about the film. But from talking to Jacob about it and, and his emotion, emotional attachment to this film, and kind of having that same emotional feel towards you know we both have a very close knit um emotional attachment to beautiful films and and just hearing the story of, of the film um i think it's scott feinberg's interview that he did was mm -hmm. it, it it was just a raw and it was a personal interview that i that i loved and and i would highly recommend listening to that um interview it's on it's on the warch chatter podcast the hollywood reporter and uh shia labeouf talks honey boy and peanut butter falcon in that in that podcast but if honey boy is is a quarter a half of good as i think it's going to be shia labeouf not only has a great you know movie another movie under his belt but he's got two films this year that are absolutely heartwarming heartfelt and absolutely stunning and I am here for the Shia LaBeouf redemption story. And I know you are as well, Jacob. So I'm going to say this because Ricky's going to get mad. I actually have gotten to see this already. Um, yeah. I saw this at the Nashville Film Festival. Um, I've got my review up if anyone wants to go check it out. Um, maybe the most personal writing I've done for a review. Uh, I, I, I can't say that i'm in the same boat as shia um i mean luckily i had you know two parents that have always been there they love me um you know they never pushed me to this kind of length but i can understand where he's coming from and shia is someone who i've always wanted you know good things to happen um you know, there's just those people in your life where you see them going down a dark path and you want them to change and i think he definitely has. I think this film is, you know, it's it's therapy for him and it's therapy for everyone watching it as well. Um, I mean, I'm not going to tell you this film's perfect. I'm not going to tell you it's, in, in, you know, incredible. Um, you know, without Shia LaBeouf's name attached to it, it's maybe a three and a half out of five. Um, but that personal connection and that kind of, personal like that personality really helps pull this movie up um but shy is beautiful in this film he there's like he said there's no one there's no one who deserves this more there's no one who deserves his recognition more it's a true true redemption story for a guy who was i mean he was a phenomenon when he was younger uh, everyone knew even stevens and then he right out he got blockbusters and he was the face of the terminator franchise um you know Trans he was transformers the face 
Transformers. Transformers. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Transformers. Um, he was. I was thinking also Transformers, and then uh, I was thinking Indiana Jones, and I, don't, I guess I just thought that that was an easy me, uh, me, uh, medium. That's funny. But uh, he was, you know, he was primed to be the next Indiana Jones, which. I mean, the movie's not great, but I didn't hate him in that role, uh, you know. So he's been yeah. That movie did not suck because of him at all. You know what I mean? Like... No. Yes, the movie was bad because aliens got involved. But that's a whole other <laughs> story. Um, but no, Shy. I mean, Shy has this redemption arc, and I've I've said this, and I've I've tweeted about it. You know, it might be hard, something hard for him to do. And it seems like you can tell over through interviews, just watching Shy do interviews this entire year, you can tell how much more open and how much this, all this positive reception, how much better he's gotten with speaking about what's going on with him. Um, that I think if Shy continues to use that, you know, that narrative of the redemption story, of, you know, what happened, I don't think that's going to be, you know, I don't think he's going to be pandering the audience. I think he's just going to be reiterating his story, and it's really going to connect with a lot of people. Um, I think Honey Boy could easily be a sneaky, you know, maybe maybe this is like a Captain Fantastic, where there's one nomination for the entire movie, but it's definitely a deserving actor nomination. Um you know, I think Noah Jupe's just as good in that movie, but of course, this isn't Noah Jupe's film. Um, I think Shia LaBeouf. I mean, he 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 might not give the best supporting actor performance, but he is by far my personal favorite. Um, and I can't wait for I I tell this to Ricky all the time. I can't wait for him to see it because I can't wait for him to be able to talk about it. But it's the whole idea of having to relive those moments and not just relive those moments as himself, but relive those moments where he has to be that person who was so hard on him, be that person who drew him to PTSD, you know, as as a kid. And, um, you know, just seeing the behind the scenes seeing the scenes where, you know, there were some tough scenes and it's right after he gives Noah a hug and he apologizes and tells him like, you know, like, I'm sorry. Like this was something so hard for, uh, for shy to do. And I hope that narrative gets built around how hard it was to actually do a role like this, not let alone have it in your own writing, but for it to, you know, be so personal and be so cathartic and be really the redemption story that, you know, Shy needed. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. I, sorry. I, no, I just, I can't wrap I, my head I, around this enough. I love it. And I, I, he's I, in my five. I fully expected it. And to be honest with you, I literally was looking up his filmography because you did miss a couple of films that I truly love of his. But I didn't realize that he's playing in David Iyer's, uh Tax Collector, which. I love Ayer, you know, because he wrote Training Day. He co-wrote The Fast and the Furious. He co-wrote End of Watch, which I think is one of the. I gotta add that to my list of potential uh, movies. But uh, that looks fantastic because I, I love one of my a couple of my favorite favorite Shia LaBeouf movies, Wall Street Never, uh, Money Never Sleeps. I thought was fantastic. I love that film. I still do. I don't care what anybody says. The Company You Keep was pretty good. I like that a lot. 
and I actually really love Disturbia. I think Disturbia is Loki one of the, like that was one of my favorite films to watch. But all right, so I want you to give me your top five and your first out. Give me what you got. All right, so my top five, I've got Brad Pitt in as number one uh, for Once Upon a Time. I got Willem Dafoe in at number two for The Lighthouse. Shia LaBeouf is actually in at my number three for Honey Boy. Um, you know, as I said, he's campaigning his ass off. He's using that narrative. He's really kind of building that up for him. Um, Tom Hanks is number four. I haven't seen the film, so I can't. I don't feel comfortable. I I might drop him down to five. I don't feel comfortable putting him that high up, especially now that I have seen a lot of these more films. And then Al Pacino is my number five. Um, I have seen The Irishman. Like I said, I. The Irishman's good. Um, it's not great, and it's not perfect, like what a lot of people are saying, but Pacino is the standout, um, and it's hard for me to keep him out of the top five. My first one out is Sterling K. Brown for Waves, which before I saw any of these films, he was my number one. He had been my number one for a while, and slowly he's dropped just because Waves has dropped as a whole. Um, I do think Waves is picking up their momentum a little bit. Uh, I know Ricky and I just got invited to, to a screener that I will sadly not be able to attend. Um, but we will go see it later uh, in the month. And I think Waves has, I think Waves is starting to really, really pick up a little bit. But I think Sterling K. Brown has a good shot. Um, you know, like I said, I haven't seen the performance. Um, I love Sterling K. Brown as an actor, though. I love what he's been able to do uh, throughout his career, and it would be awesome to see it happen. Um, but he is my first one out. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, obviously, like I said, spoiler, I told that we have the same five. I've got Pitt at one. I'm actually putting Pacino at two. Um, I'm, I've got Hanks at three. I've got Defoe at four, and I got Shy at five. And I, Sterling K. Brown was actually my five last... I mean, five hours ago, but uh, I made some adjustments, and he just was the first one out. I'm excited to see this film. I heard Sterling K. Brown gives a absolutely phenomenal performance in this film. Um, I can't wait to see it. It's one of my highly anticipated films for the rest of the year. Um, yeah, the best supporting actor feel it's loaded. We could talk about it for probably another two hours, but we're not going to. Um, folks, do us a favor. Uh, head over to visualprofitsmovies.com. Check out all Jacob's latest uh, movie reviews, head on over to thesportscript.com and check out all my latest movie reviews. We should both have our Irishman uh, uh, review up over uh, within the next week or so. Um, do me a favor, give the show a follow at MCDI Pod. Um, give myself a follow at Ricky Villar underscore and give Jacob a follow at VP underscore movies. Um, folks, do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a five-star review if you're listening on iTunes. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys soon. And go to the movies.